Welcome back to the week four edition of my weekly NFL Pick'em. Week three was crazy. I feel like that was the official start of the season because now we're playing some ball. I do apologize for not being able to create my usual Pick'em video last week. I had some dental work done one day, a sick kid another day. I only get three days to work on this stuff throughout the week. And those two things took a big chunk out of two of those days. So I'm sorry for that. Big thanks to those that tuned into the live stream version of it though. That was fun, but I think that we all agreed that the live stream is not a suitable replacement for the weekly Pick'em show yet. Thanks again though. Let's get into these picks. Kicking off Sunday with the Washington football team versus the Atlanta Falcons. Taylor Heineke is like a Johnny football 4.0, but that style of play is not converting to wins, especially not against solid competition. Can't play the Giants every week, and I'm all aboard the Heineke train, but he is equal parts reckless and dynamic. However, Washington fans should be more concerned with the defense because this group of first rounders isn't creating pressure as we all expected, or as they showed us last year. As far as the Falcons go, props to them for rising up on not intended and ruining the Giants homecoming game for Eli. Manning last week, but they are still playing terribly. I feel bad for Matt Ryan. If the NFL got down with trades like the NBA, he'd be headed to Washington in a trade right after this game, even if it was just for the remainder of the season. This is one of the tougher games to predict, and just because both teams are wildly inconsistent, I'm going to go with the Washington defensive line, assuming that they are going to get things on track against this weak Falcons offensive line. Washington wins 21-19. The Texans at the Bills. Now, in order to shorten these videos, along with their prep time, I'm going to breeze through some of these games like this one, unless you guys desperately really want to hear why the Texans don't stand a chance in Buffalo with Davis Mills. Well, it's this Bills defense, most notably the defensive line with their own group of first rounders. And the Bills defense as a whole is just coming into its own. So this one's going to be my lock of the week. Bills win 29-13. Lions at Bears. The Detroit Lions and the Chargers are literally the two most unlucky franchises in the NFL. Maybe it's the light blue thing making them appear less intimidating, but the refs have tried their best to keep these two teams in their respective corners. The Chargers, however, they've accumulated the talent to start to overcome these referees. The Lions, they are forced to watch new inventive ways to lose games every single year. This year, it was an NFL record 66-yard game-winning field goal, which came after failing to get a delay of game call for two whole seconds after the clock hit zero and even that was after failing to get a stop on fourth and 19 so much blame still to go around in Detroit but at least the head coaches inspiring guys whereas Matt Nagy may be a complete fraud during the game planning part of the week and was just carried by Andy Reid as the Chiefs offensive coordinator. Nagy failed to create an offense to best take advantage of Justin Fields and his athleticism last week. Even Bill O'Brien knew how to shift his offense for Deshaun Watson with just a few halftime adjustments when he came in for Tom Savage in 2017. It was as if Nagy had the first three weeks of game plan already planned out for Andy Dalton and just figured maybe nobody would notice if he had Justin Fields try and run it. Too bad the offensive line woes go back to Nick Foles getting blasted last season and Jason Peters is a shell of himself. He's essentially just still in a paycheck this year. The game plan this week needs to incorporate a lot more motion, a lot more play action, things that can hide the offensive line. I wouldn't normally bring this up as such a cause for concern after one week, but we already saw this play out with Mitch Trubisky over the course of three or four seasons and I've said since my week one season preview that this week four game against the Lions was going to be the earliest target for Fields' first start because, I don't know, there's this guy named Miles Garrett that plays defense for the Brown. He's pretty good. So I almost want to give them a pass for that game. Problem is, the head coach just doesn't seem like he's the guy. But there's no way that he avoids the criticism this week. I think a complete scheme overhaul is in store, and we see the game plan that we should have seen last week for the Bears, resulting in the Bears win 31-24. 
Panthers, the Cowboys. Man, the scheduling disadvantage in this game is one that you don't typically see in the NFL. The Panthers are coming off of a Thursday night football game and the Cowboys are coming off of Monday night football. The Cowboys still haven't had a normal Sunday to Sunday week yet this season, so you could argue that they don't actually even have a weekly routine nailed down, but it's still a team coming off of 10 days rest versus five days. And if you're still struggling to figure out if this Panthers team is any good, I think the best measuring stick for them would be Jameis Winston. The Packers and the Patriots are talented teams, well-coached teams, and the Saints handled them. But the Panthers, they made Jameis Winston look worse than the 30 for 30 version of himself. I'm not going to sugarcoat it though, losing Christian McCaffrey and JC Horn will hurt, but I love that they seized the opportunity to go get former ninth overall pick CJ Henderson from the Jaguars to fill Horn's shoes for the rest of the season. And hey, maybe a fresh start with a real defensive front will revive his career. The Panthers did have interest in CJ Henderson in the draft, but had to go with Derrick Brown instead, so you know that the team believes in him. Imagine if he can reach his potential in Carolina, and then next year Horn comes back, all of a sudden this is one of the best defenses in the league. I will miss the Darnold to D. Arnold connection though, RIP. But then how about those Cowboys? They're set up to be the best team the NFC East has to offer, but they're going to need to take care of these NFC contenders, especially at home. But between the refs making weekly game-changing calls against them and Mike McCarthy doing his thing with the clock mismanagement, I worry this Cowboys team could easily get caught sleeping on a team like the Panthers. However, one of the reasons that I've remained in Sam Darnold's corner is because I witnessed him make it personal with his performance against the Cowboys a couple years ago, and there are a lot of players that were a part of that same defense that I'm sure are going to remember that all too well and are probably going to want some sort of revenge because Sam Darnold made it personal that day. This Cowboys offensive line is also bullying people right now and I don't think that they look past the Panthers. Cowboys win a close one 24-23. Next up, we've got Colts at Dolphins, and until Tua gets back, I think that the Dolphins are cooked offensively. They're still going to give opposing offenses trouble as they look to their defense to carry them, and this might be a Jacoby Brissett revenge game, but Colts fans will remember the struggles that they had with Brissett filling in for Andrew Luck, and this Dolphins team is going to have to operate in a similar fashion, but sadly, that formula doesn't scare anyone these days. You've got to score points, and unless you need a QB sneak, that's not Jacoby Brissett's specialty. I think that Carson Wentz gets his first win as a Colt this week. Colts win 17-12. Browns at Vikings. The Browns are a very dangerous team. Don't say I didn't warn you. And as much blame as Matt Nagy gets for that week three game plan, the Browns defense deserves just as much credit. Rookie linebacker Jeremiah Wusu koromoa is holding it down for them while Miles Garrett and company get after quarterbacks. And then these Browns running backs remind me of some of the classic two-headed monsters we used to see every few years in college football, like Darren McFadden and Felix Jones, or more specifically like Cadillac Williams and Ronnie Brown, or Sonny Michelle and Nick Chubb. Wait, what? Anyways, but pair that running game with this fast defense and Baker's job is easy. Also, it must be nice to have a dynamic wide receiver come off the bench after your other wide receiver one gets hurt. On the other side, the Vikings finally put it all together last week, and it's become apparent that Kirk Cousins is in get paid mode this season. I know that he's got two more years on his deal, including this one, but we've seen him play like this a couple times in his career. For example, when he had those back-to-back -back franchise tags with Washington, but his contract becomes easier to move on from after this season, and he's got 45 million reasons to justify not taking a pay cut. I'm not gonna continue to pile on him though, because he's playing well but fool me once shame on shame on you I'm basing this pick on the Browns defensive line and the Vikings offensive line Browns win 28 20 
Giants at Saints. I gotta be honest, the Giants fans booing their owner, John Mara, makes them the real MVP of week three. You don't have to be a Giants fan to approve the booing of John Mara. He's the guy that led the charge on the taunting calls this year because, you know, he's an NFL fossil and would prefer it be the no fun league. On the football side of things though, if you'd asked me a week ago if the Giants could beat the Falcons, if they got a turnover free game from Daniel Jones, I would have said probably nine times out of 10 that they would, but apparently that's not the case. This Giants offense is broken and Jason Garrett is actively keeping the restraint on the passing attack for unknown reasons. Daniel Jones has thrown fewer deep passes than any other quarterback in the league, and it makes no sense because he's actually good at that. And I'd be surprised to see that change now all of a sudden with Sterling Shepard and Darius Slayton out or dealing with injuries. The Saints, they're coming off of a big win in New England and will be back in New Orleans this week. You just know that Superdome is going to be rocking for this one. This one feels pretty easy. Saints win 28-19. Titans at Jets. The Titans are getting things back on track now. Derrick Henry has got 63 carries in the last two weeks, so that means they are getting back to the ground and pound. Problem is, the next closest player in the league in the last two weeks only has 38 carries. I'm not sure Derrick Henry can sustain that kind of a workload, even if my fantasy team would probably greatly appreciate it. Ryan Tannehill needs to continue to step up each week, elevate this passing attack. This is a good week to work out some of the kinks with the new wide receivers, especially since AJ Brown will be out with a hamstring. However, the Jets might be terrible, but their defense is at least showing up. They rank 14th, which is, you know, nothing to write home about. When your offense is as bad as theirs, ranking at 14 means that you're not getting driven up and down on like the Eagles on Monday night. Titans should still win this one, but it might not be a blowout. I think the Titans could win 26-16. Chiefs at Eagles. Did you guys hear that Josh Gordon was reinstated? So naturally he decided to sign with the Chiefs. Damn bandwagoner. Doesn't even realize the Chiefs are in last place in the AFC West right now. And it was already gonna be an emotional trip back to Philly for Andy Reid, but now he's dealing with health issues on top of the fact that the Chiefs are only a botched punt away from being 0-3. For the past few years, Patrick Mahomes has been playing like a kid on Madden's rookie difficulty level. We've all been there, right? Eventually after putting up 400 yards and four touchdowns each week, you think you're unstoppable. You stop doing the little things like making reads and playing smart football, which leads to turnovers, interceptions, yada yada. I think it's safe to say that he is definitely going through it right now, but with his talent, you do expect him to get back on track at some point. Maybe Josh Gordon is the new toy that will really refocus him. This week, they get the Eagles on a short week after getting throttled on Monday Night Football, and it seems like the Eagles offensive line is getting hit with a new injury every week. If the Chiefs are going to win this one, though, they're going to have to show that they can run the ball like the Cowboys did. So this is as good an opportunity as any for Clyde edwards Lair to get back on track. Chiefs win 35 524. Cardinals at Rams. And I don't know about you guys, but I'm here for coaches making dumb choices and getting punished with 109 yard touchdown returns. And it'd be easy to pile on Cliff Kingsbury for that decision, but honestly, I'm not concerned the fact that the Cardinals struggled early on against a team like the Jaguars. That's going to happen over the course of 17 games. It's all about how you respond to those situations, and they responded with that Gus Johnson energy. The Rams, they also responded well to the Super Bowl champs coming to town, and that should give them the needed confidence if and when they see them again in the playoffs. The key matchup for me in this one is going to be a throwback to what seems like a lifetime ago at this point, and Jalen Ramsey might not even cover Adrian Green much in this game, but I felt like it needed to be mentioned, and honestly, it's the Rams wide receivers that should be putting pressure on the Cardinals defensive backs. It could be the difference in this one. This division is going to be a heavyweight fight to the end. This is the first of two matchups this week between the four teams in the NFC West, and honestly, they both feel like toss-ups. I might be grasping here, but last week was probably a taxing victory for the Rams. I know Sean McVay was probably sore the next day, and it was probably a good wake-up call for the Cardinals. However, the undisciplined nature that Kyler and the Cardinals have been playing with is concerning, and I'd like to see them lock it up down the stretch, starting with this week, because they haven't beaten the Rams since 2017, and you know what they say, it's hard to beat a team nine times in a row, right? Cardinals win 34-33. 
Seahawks at 49ers. In the second NFC West showdown of the week, the Seahawks head to the 49ers in a week three consolation match after they both lost games that they probably should have won. The Seahawks blew another lead, this time to the Vikings, and then the 49ers just left too much time on the clock after battling their way back. This series has been pretty one-sided since Pete Carroll came to town after 10 straight wins over the 49ers. These two went back and forth in 2018 and 2019 before the Seahawks got back to sweeping the 49ers last year. With the Seahawks showing promise early in games and being the more desperate team now at the bottom of the division standings, I'm going with the Seahawks, but it does feel like a toss-up. Seahawks win this one 24-23. Ravens at Broncos. Much like with the Cardinals, sometimes you need adversity to prepare you for a championship run. The Ravens were almost victims to a trap game in Detroit, but got a 66-yard doink from Justin Tucker, who might be the greatest kicker of all time now, and it's fitting to add the longest field goal in NFL history to his resume. The fact that it was a walk-off is just another wrinkle to his story. The Broncos are one of the more surprising 3-0 teams in the league, and I had high hopes for them coming into the season. That was somewhat due to the schedule. Their opponent's combined record is 0-9, and now they're reaching a a much more difficult stretch of the year starting with this week. The injuries are also mounting for the Broncos with their offensive line getting banged up pretty bad. You're not going to get any sympathy from any Ravens fans though, but after two weeks of intense down-to-the-wire emotional victory, I think the Ravens could fall victim to the mile-high trap game. That high altitude usually catches some team off guard early on in the season, and I'm not bold enough to predict the upset, but this is a game I will be avoiding in any parlays. Ravens win 26-20. Steelers at Packers. Guys, Big Ben is done. Like, it's time for him to fake an injury and let this team start a younger, more mobile quarterback. Seriously. And this is not some sort of overreaction or flip-flop because I didn't believe that Big Ben was going to come into this year in great shape like we've been hearing. And the first three weeks confirmed my original expectation. He had 25 million reasons to come back, even if he knew himself that he was washed. The problem is that old men can't coast in the NFL. The reason that Tom Brady can play at 44 years old is because he sold his soul to the game and works harder than three Ben Roethlisberger's. There was no way that you're going to get me to believe that Big Ben was turning down coffee and beer, let alone eating his vegetables. My five-year-old probably has a better diet than Ben Roethlisberger, and she eats chicken nuggets like four times a week. On the other side of this future Hall of Fame quarterback matchup is the bad man that showed everyone on Sunday Night Football why you put up with his offseason BS. Aaron Rodgers is just surgical with it. He and Devontae Adams are a wonder to watch together, and it's sad to think that this is the final year of it. But hey, better to move on too soon than linger too long. Am I right, Ben? Whatever. Packers win 35-24. Buccaneers at Patriots. Man, this Sunday night game is juicy. Tom Brady gets to return to New England after spending 20 years as a Patriot. And you know, tension is high in both organizations this week. It's hard not to think that this game may have been lingering on the minds of the Bucs last week in LA. And Mac Jones probably has had this game circled in his calendar for the last couple weeks too, because he's been playing like crap since week one. And we'll really see what kinds of stones that he has when Big Daddy Tom returns to town to pillage Foxborough with his new gang of pirates. Meanwhile, Belichick is treating Mac Jones like an overprotective mom would. And didn't let those hooligans from New Orleans corrupt him after their loss to the Saints. Now, I'm not sure anybody can pick this game without some kind of bias, but I can tell you as a lifelong Patriots hater, it's going to be hard to root for the evil empire after the way they did Brady like that. Don't forget, Tom Brady motivated a team of historical losers into winning a Super Bowl in his first season with them. I honestly can't imagine a scenario where he and Gronk don't have the entire Bucks roster feeling like Belichick personally did them all dirty too. Bucks win this one 34-20. 
And then finally on Monday night, we get an AFC West battle that is surprisingly with first place on the line. Last week, the Raiders beat the Dolphins, which is quickly becoming one of my favorite unofficial AFC rivalries, by the way. And now the Raiders are 3-0 for the first time since 2002, and things are clicking on both sides of the ball for this team, as well as for the Chargers, actually. Justin Herbert is actually just incredible to watch. And he's got the Chargers overcoming that bad luck that continues to plague them in key situations. Head coach Brandon Staley has got this team playing with good synergy and balance between the offense and defense, but a lot of people want to see the regulators taken off of this offense. I mentioned this in week one, and the past few weeks have really only reinforced my preseason thoughts. I think that he's trying to keep the offense in check so that the defense can thrive. As the season goes on, though, look for the offense to open it up a little bit more each and every week, especially based on who they're playing. Like last week against the Chiefs, this could be another scenario where the offense needs to put up a lot of points. Even as well as the Raiders are playing, it's really hard to pick against the Chargers right now. I'm going to go Chargers win 33-30. Thank you so much for listening to the NFL Retweet Podcast. If you're still listening at this point, you are a real one. I greatly appreciate you. Make sure that you are subscribed to not only the podcast channel, but the YouTube channel where a majority of our content is released. And, you know, feel free to share this with a friend or two. Thanks again for listening. Good luck to your football team this week and have a great day.